the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. And a very Merry Christmas to you. We say that to not only bring you holiday greetings, but to irritate all the liberals out there. Great to have you on board. It's another edition of Lifeline unfolding before your show-like ears for this 18th day of December. Boy, we are headlong fast into Christmas, aren't we? And uh, trust you're getting your holiday shopping done. If it's not all completed, let me just at this point remind you, uh, 38 ways. No, I'm only kidding. You, you don't. You don't have to really embarrass yourself by uh, forgetting to give me a gift. A check will do. No. <laughs> any rate, great to have you on today's show. Got a good program for you. Coming up a little bit later on, speaking of an early Christmas gift, uh, we've got a a uh, court decision in a case out of Green Bay, Wisconsin, that Brad Dacus from the Pacific Justice Institute is going to tell us all about, which is sort of an early Christmas gift to churches all across America. There was an attempt there to label churches as places of public accommodation and thus subject churches to so-called non-discrimination policies and everything that goes with them by the government. And, of course, talk about an intrusion into the First Amendment rights of churches. Well, pretty over-the-top stuff. Good news is Christmas has come early. The court has struck down this restrictive ordinance, and it's got positive implications for churches all across America. Brad Dacus joins us with a report coming up a little bit later on in tonight's broadcast. Don't have it all together Sometimes I find myself asking why, oh why But I know we don't have forever So I'd be a fool to let this moment pass us by So with the risk of sounding crazy Let me ask you If you died tonight, where would you be? Where would your soul spend eternity? Jesus gave his life. If you just believe, it changes everything. If you died tonight. That, of course, a question that has been asked millions of times down through centuries. If you died tonight, where would your soul spend eternity? A timely topic, I believe, as we are uh, headlong into Christmas here, because at the end of the day, um, Christmas makes Easter possible. And so as we talk about this very important question, there may be some eavesdropping on the conversation tonight that might have some doubts. You might be struggling with some issues of faith. It perhaps pertains to difficult season in life, 
where you're questioning everything that you believed. Maybe you're someone who has been flirting with the claims of Christ but not fully come to fruition. In other words, you haven't fully embraced and surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. How do we go about answering this question? Eternity, where will you spend it? Joining me today in studio is the author of a brand new book by that same title, Russ Walsh. Russ has been involved as a Silicon Valley engineer for many, many years. He's worked with all the uh, FANG companies. Uh, that would, of course, be a Google and Amazon et al. in the Silicon Valley area. He's also worked with several top leaders from organizations like the Billy Graham and Luis Palau organizations. He specializes in corporate compliance and joins us tonight as we wrestle through this all-important question, Russ. Eternity, where will you spend it? A book like this clearly has got to come from a real heart of wanting people to understand perhaps even a journey you yourself have been on of having to confront a lot of the the why questions, the who questions. Right. Who is God? Why is God? If God exists, what's my relationship to him? How do I deal with all of that? Okay. Walk us through sort of the process here, if you would, in your own journey. Thanks, Craig. So... Um I grew up in the southern part of the U.S., uh, the Bible Belt, if you will. So thank goodness my mom took my brothers and me to to church every Sunday. And when we got to our teenage years, like so many, we had the option to to not go. But about the time I was 14, the church I went to got a, a young, very dynamic speaker. He came in and really explained things in practical terms and very intriguing. So... Uh, for a teenager, I was like, this guy's there interesting. It still took me six years to uh, make a decision about age 20. Uh, I said, you know, hey, I'm going to die someday. What's going to happen? I really have to know. I can't, you know, it's time to grow up and, and, and take on that responsibility. So um, I've had a pretty good life overall. About 20 years ago, I ended up moving to the Bay Area, having an engineering degree from South Carolina, Gamecock, and uh, being out here on the West Coast. But um, I I found myself talking with a lot of friends and family when I was a young believer. And still, you know, I don't think that ever ends, but there's a certain point you kind of know when to sort of, I think I've said what I can say, and we'll wait for the next opportunity if something comes up. But I was really excited to know that my dad, you know, got baptized when he was 78. It's never too late for any of us. And and I felt like I planted a few seeds along the way. I'm sure a lot of others did as well. But I have two daughters. They're in their 20s now. And when they were uh, younger, I really had this, this, this passion to put this down. You know, what are the questions people are asking and what are the, some real answers? So before I even undertook to write a book, I went to the bookstores and said, you know, what's out there that's really would answer the kind of questions I'm seeing come in on a, on a frequent basis and there's some great books. I mean, C.S. Lewis, you know, uh, Rick Warren. There's some tremendously powerful books, but I felt like I want something that really is a book people want to share with others. And, and, and that's the compelling thing of, of not only does it change me on the inside, not only does it help me believe there's really a God, but why does he matter? And, and why is it important and relevant to me? And then why does, how does that impact the others in my life? Does a lot of this reach back through your own exploration, your own questions as well? Of course. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so, you know, I think we all want to want to find our answers to those things that are driving us. But it's also good when, when the people you care about are asking the same questions and you just, gosh, that's a good question. I really think that it's important to know the answer to that. And, and I think it's interesting that you, that you point out that though raised in the church, 
it wasn't until sometime later as a young adult that you came full head on to a decision for yourself in terms of what your relationship with God, with Christ, was going to look like. And I think that's important because sometimes we assume that it's only the non-believer that struggles with these questions. And somehow, if you were exposed to Scripture and raised in the church, it comes easy for you. And it may be true that we have, through catechism or Sunday school, memorized a lot of the answers. We know about it intellectually and logically, but do we know about it at the heart level? Have we come to fully embrace this truth? And I suppose your background as an engineer and in Silicon Valley, that maybe is one of the biggest challenges that you've come up against. Not only what the truth is in terms of who God is, our relationship to him, but even this notion sometimes that there is truth. Yeah, right. Yeah, there's just we're surrounded by brilliant well-educated people and a lot of them don't even believe there's a god anymore right and uh, so you know the, the big question for me and to them is you know is everyone right is anyone right could some of us be wrong i mean for a long time we believed the world was flat and i don't know if you've been hearing but in the last flat week are back. That, that issue's coming back okay <laughs> yeah. so uh we used to joke about people belonging to the flat earth society now one actually exists coming back so uh but you know, the the evidence t- to say, you know, the complexity of life and, and trying to go from the Big Bang, yada, yada, Earth, yada, yada, cells through, you know, through an, a lightning explosion or whatever it was. And now we here we are today. You know, there's so many unanswered questions. And for, I think, too long, we've been allowing the the other side to be the one to say you guys think the world's six thousand years old that doesn't make any sense we're done talking right but it's time that they started really answering questions because just look at the complexity of life it's unbelievable i've heard someone say that a, 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 a typical mammal an animal is more complex than all of the cities and towns that we've built on earth and stuff when you think about it so if we went to a planet and we saw Okay, we didn't see any moving life, but there were buildings, there were lights coming on and off, there was cable TV, plumbing, trains running on schedules and everything else. And we go, nope, nobody's, nothing's been here intelligent, right? And when you look at life and, and just the uniqueness of a, a butterfly that transforms from a caterpillar, we can't figure that out, right? I've asked some intelligent people to say, couldn't we make a rose bush from just atoms and molecules? And they go, you're crazy that's overwhelming i'm like how why is that overwhelming you think nature a natural process can produce that when seven smart billion smart people on this planet can't figure this out right and so it's getting them to really start to think and ask those questions the old chicken or the egg which came first right uh so we know the answer god created chicken they started laying eggs but but we need them to really step back and the real big issue is why would so many intelligent people believe that you know, there is no God. And my studies show that it's what I call the rivalry syndrome. I don't want to believe there's a God. And, you know, it, it's a big issue to accept that. So I'm happy to say, okay, there's an answer over here that says, you know, there's a, there's a way we got here without God. And certainly understanding or coming to the acceptance that <clears throat> uh, divine creator, God, whatever we wish to call him, exists, does pose a problem because... Once we embrace that truth, now suddenly we have to determine, okay, if God exists or a intelligent designer exists, then what's my relationship to him? What's he got to do with me? Do I have to answer to anything right. that I've done? And I've always wondered from, from the 
the the learned layers in our society for the doctors and the physicians and the engineers. Some people say, well, um, they're better educated. They are therefore historically less inclined seemingly to believe. And yet is that because they are better educated and know something that we know or is it because maybe that they've been brainwashed? Maybe it's a group in there that says, you know, if I can figure out a way to disprove God's existence, I let myself off the hook. Do you think there's any truth to that? Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, coming to, to terms with God, it's a miracle. I mean, you know, from what we see, every time it's a miracle for each one of us who've made that decision. On one hand, it's the easiest decision in the world, but it's also one of the most difficult. So there's that dichotomy of this. So for everybody, I believe, who's become a Christian, believe me, I think God's planted a lot of seeds in a lot of us. I just discovered uh, a few weeks ago for the first time ever that my name's actually on two books on the, on the planet. And one of them I stumbled on that's a Bible that was given to me by my mom's Sunday school class as a newborn baby. And I just found this a few weeks ago, just when I was going through my daughter's stuff and everything else. So, you know, it's just amazing. So, you know, and it really brought me to where we're at today of this is the holiday season. It's the gift giving season. Can we give anything more powerful to our friends and family than Bibles? Can we give anything more powerful than, than books like this? You know, to me, if you got the choice, give a Bible first. I think that's where the real answers are. But I would have loved to have had a book like this shortly after becoming a believer. Right? Certainly a, a new tie for Dad might be a wardrobe changing, but it won't be life changing. Exactly. Right? We're right. visiting today in studio with Russ Walsh. Russ is the author of a new book called Eternity, Where Will You Spend It? Newly released by Zulon Press, available through uh, bookstores, including Amazon.com. We're going to take a brief time out. When we come back, we'll begin wrestling with some of these questions. Does does God exist? And if he does, who exactly is he? Why were we created? And how do we go about addressing what happens after we die? All that and more as this edition of Lifeline continues here on KFAX. All right, 519, time to step aside, get you updated here on traffic. You're heading home. You're heading to go do some holiday shopping. Be careful out there wherever you might be headed. Michael's got a look at the road ahead. Michael, what's going on out there? And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to the conversation. 22 minutes after the hour, 5 p.m. here. As we continue this edition of Lifeline, Russ Walsh is with us today in studio. Russ is a Silicon Valley engineer. He specializes in corporate compliance and is the author of a new book called Eternity, Where Will You Spend It? Newly published by Zulon Press and available through Amazon. As you were walking through, struggling through perhaps some of these questions for yourself, um, the the whole question of does God even exist, of course, seems to be predicated with, well, can we even accept truth? And we know more and more, particularly at many institutes of higher learning, that seems to be kind of up for grabs. There was a day and an age when we knew that empirical evidence led us to a truth. We may not like it, but truth is truth. These days, more and more, People either question the existence of truth or say, well, there can be multiple truths. Uh, there can be your truth and my truth, many paths. They all lead to the same place. So let's not have some of us be right and some of us be wrong. Let's all be right together. And, of course, that that uh, narrow is the path, as we're reminded right. in Scripture. So yep. walk me through, if you would, as as you share and even as you explored your your own faith questions this question of does God exist? What were some of the signs that convinced you? I, I, I've certainly had 
personal miracles in my life, things that just went way beyond explanation of chance, you know, of people calling me, running into people uh, on the other side of the planet that I like, I need to meet with this person and I just can't connect. And we run into each other in the Minnesota airport. And then we're like, um, where are you heading? Same place. And I'm like, I bet we're sitting next to each other, right? Things like that where uh, I could I could chart out many of those. And I'd love to have maybe even callers to call in and share some of their stories if we've got time. But I really want people to also ask questions if we can have some some callers. Um, the other side really, though, is, is an engineer. The more I started understanding engineering and how logical the world was, how electricity and electromagnetic waves and just physical movement of of machinery all follows some similar principles and stuff that was intriguing but when you just look at the complexity of life that's just mind-boggling dna just we're i mean a little computer in every cell you know it's just how do you get that from atoms and molecules and say there's no no intelligent designer behind all so, that. so you look at all these layers in technology or or in the human body and you sort of fold them back like uh, layers of an onion and you yeah. finally get to that core then and conclude there's just too much about this that is too incredible too complex that doesn't suggest that at some point there had to be an intelligent being behind all this i've always asked the question as those who who um, propagate the so-called big bang theories well if that be true then help me understand how it is that all of this order came out of a huge explosion right. and the next time i see somebody implode a building why does it blow up and leave nothing but rubble and dust as opposed to blow up the building and have it turn into a bridge Right. Uh, there is a wonderful book written by a um, microbiologist by, biologist by the name of Dr. Michael Behe. I think he's with Columbia. I reference him in my book. Excellent. Yes. And his whole insight into the bacterium flagellum and the concept of irreducible design like the mousetrap where you look at the basic mousetrap and you begin to realize as you study it that there are basic elements, yeah. you know, the trigger, the spring, uh, the, the, the bar mechanism, that if you remove any of those elements, it ceases to be a functioning mousetrap. Right. You reach a point where you can't reduce it any further and still allow it to serve a functional purpose. Right. And that the bacterium flagellum is a wonderful example within the human body, that it is so precise and the parts in it so critically interdependent that the notion of this sort of just evolving by chance, like going to Las Vegas and saying, you know, let, let, let's hope for, you know, the big win here is, is absolutely impossible. Right. And he, though, not coming to the point of saying outright, there is a God and here is his name, at least says this cannot have happened. This could not have happened mm -hmm. had there not been the active involvement of some intelligent design, and if intelligent design, then therefore an intelligent designer. Right, exactly. Yeah, so um, for me, you, there's some wonderful books that are written out there that really talk about getting to know God, but it's very difficult when somebody doesn't even believe in the first place. So for me, I put a lot of time into the book at the beginning to really help people move past that. And I've had several Christians like, why do we need that section in the book? And I'm just like, you know what? I even put in the beginning of the book, the chapter, skip it if you know it. But if you're still getting confronted or your children are getting confronted with people who are saying, you guys don't know what you're talking about, and they don't know what to do to defend their faith, they should read it. So that's the perspective that I have on it. And, and I've had a few people tell me, look, 
um, if you were to talk with this person about this issue, they would tear you apart. You have no chance. And then they kind of read the book and like, that person has no chance with you. I didn't realize how clearly logical it is that we go from, okay, maybe we're 75% sure that evolution is real to after reading your, 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 your passage on that, it's hard to be 1% anymore. It's just so overwhelmingly convincing. And, so, and that's what you hope. Now we can have a different conversation. Okay, it looks like there is some intelligent being or beings that put this world together. Now we can have a different conversation. Who is he or who is she or what are they? But now let's talk about that. But we're better positioned to have that conversation, and then we can go through but one of the other things I found, Craig, that was really important to me was I wanted to make sure there are some great books that kind of are convincing about God, but they do leave you a little hanging. Like, what if Elvis still exists? It's nice to know, but so what? But it might mean a lot to you if, if he's your brother, he's your son, he's your husband, right? It becomes personal. So why does it matter that God exists? Okay, because he really cares about us. He's crazy about us. Just as if we lost a child somewhere and we'd been searching our whole life for a child that got, you know, taken away from us when they were three, you know, we're never going to forget about them. And if we find them when they're 23, it's just going to be one of the greatest joys of our life. And God is really looking for each one of us. We matter. Every one of us matter to him so much, just like he has no grandchildren. I think you've even said that, right? He only has children, right? And, and and so when you see so many people we care about who've been misinformed and they're living lives that are just so disconnected from God and all the problems that come with that, sometimes they think they have a peaceful life, but deep down, they're really worried. The approach here inside of the book Eternity is not then confrontational, but more informational? I think so. And that's the feedback I've gotten is we really just started guys, we got a problem. We're all going to die someday. There's a lot of ideas of what happens. Let's just step back carefully and, and evaluate this. And maybe sometimes that's a good place to start with. I mean, the premise that we certainly know, no matter what your faith position is, what your scientific understanding or knowledge might be, we can begin with the premise that historically so far, the evidence is overwhelming that someday we will die. Right. So then how do we step back and say, okay, working our way from that point... What is on the other side? Right. Is there another side? Absolutely. And if so, who's over there? Right, right. And and you know, from a from a Christian standpoint, you know, the, the, there's the old adage. There, you know, some people say, well, uh, how come you've never become a Christian? And and sometimes you get two answers. One is to say, well, uh, because I've never met a Christian, or others to say, well, it's because I've met a Christian, and they've Absolutely. been turned off by what they've heard. Right. So I think the the non confrontational and more informational approach is also very much what we see modeled by Jesus. Absolutely. I mean, he, he was not, um, you know, turn or burn. Yeah. He presented the truth of who he was and what he came to do and carefully laid out what the options were and then allowed each and every one to decide for themselves. And I think sometimes we as Christians, we, we want to erase the sense of man's free will, yeah. even though God has very carefully said, there are consequences to your action, but nevertheless, you still have free choice in this matter. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, it really does come down to, you know, what are we going to decide, right? Are we going to kind of ignore something so important? You know, I think it's interesting. I've got friends that are in the life insurance business, and they got rid of the phrase of, if you died tonight or tomorrow, what would happen? 
they say, what, if you died yesterday, where would you be? Right? It's kind of interesting, right? Cause it, Greater sense of urgency yeah, there, too. Yeah, <laughs> right. Where would you be now? And I thought that was very intriguing. And part of the reason is if you say if you die tonight, it's almost like, do you know something that I don't? <laughs> is something going to happen? So by putting it yesterday, it changes it. But same way with our approach here of, of it, it's so important. I mean, again, I, I can guarantee you, Craig, even though you've been doing this for a long time, you probably still have people that are very close to you that, that you, you're worried about, you know, and stuff. So what can we do that makes a difference? But still, in my opinion, the most fundamental thing is the Bible. And uh, I don't know if we got time for a quick story about kind of what happened with me, but I thought it was interesting. So when I was uh, in college and really starting to have these questions and troubled by a lot of things, there was a day I was walking across campus, and there was a girl I'd gone to high school with and we were friends with. And, and uh, we walked across, and her building and mine were right next to each other. I was going to engineering. She was going to the physics uh, building. And out front, for the only day this ever happened on campus, there were the two little old guys from the Gideons with little white Bibles passing out. And I know if it had probably been a guy friend of mine or anybody else, I would have probably just walked by and smiled. But she grabbed two and handed me one and said, see you later. And I, I couldn't hand that book back. I put it in my back pocket, fine. But a couple of days later, all of a sudden, you know, I see that thing uh, sitting on my uh, dresser at home, and I'm just like, I got to get answers. And I shut my door. I remember even locking my bedroom door, cracking open, reading the first 10 chapters of Matthew, and the light came on. It all made sense. And I was not the same person. I mean, the next day, everybody's like, what happened to you? Right? So I know God can really work miracles. He can open our hearts up to the truth and, and so forth. So it's not just about a book like this. And I've heard Francis Chan even talk about this. He's one of my favorite speakers that he used to get so stressed out about Easter. I got to get this right and everything else. And he said, you know what? The only thing I got to get right is at the end of the day, is God happy with the message I gave? Because it's up to him to, to do the rest, you know? We tell the story, and at the end, it's the Holy Spirit and the power of his word to change hearts. Absolutely. And I think sometimes we as Christians, and this is an important point, sometimes we as Christians get so caught up in the process that it suddenly, maybe not intentionally, but the end result is it becomes all about us. You know, did we explain the spiritual laws correctly? Have we walked them through the the, uh, the sinner's prayer? All of these details. And if the end result is not what we anticipated, that that very moment they're going to bow knee and, and confess and so forth. If it doesn't happen that way, we sometimes tend to feel guilty or as if somehow we've let the Lord down. And yet, I'm quick to remind believers, think back through your own experience. How did it happen for you? Yeah. Most people yeah. say, well... There was this event and that person and the other one shared this and I read the word there and I went to church over. So it turns out to be a multiplicity of one who plants the seed, another who waters, God Mm -hmm. gives the increase. And so I think sometimes we get caught up to the point where we either make the process about ourselves or we get so terrorized about making a mistake that we do nothing At all. Right. And, and maybe today for a big portion of the church, that's the bigger flaw here, is we wind up doing nothing at all when sometimes it's just simply a matter of planting that seed, saying a few words, sharing a book like this, giving somebody a copy of Scripture, as you mm-hmm. mentioned earlier, yeah. what better holiday gift, and to allow the Holy Spirit to do the job. And then just make yourself available as the opportunity yeah. presents itself. And that friend comes back and says, well, what about this? What about that? Study to show yourself approved and be ready to give an answer. Yeah, absolutely. I love Psalm 139. It really talks about God knew a billion years ago, you and I were going to have this conversation today. And 
you know, for people who are listening today, maybe you just happen to turn on this radio station and you don't even know what this is all about, but you feel like God's calling you to listen today. You know, there is a reason. I can guarantee you God's been calling you a lot of times in your life and he'll continue to do so throughout the rest of your life. But he definitely wants you to make a decision and it is important that you really pay attention to that and not miss that opportunity because there will be a day when it's, there's no more chances. There's a lot in life that we tend to brand as an incident uh, or incidents as opposed to a God incident. Uh, yeah. We're going to pick up the conversation after a time out here. Visiting today in studio with Russ Walsh, the new book is called Eternity, Where Will You Spend It? Newly published by Zulon Press and available through Amazon.com. We take a brief time out, back with more as Lifeline continues. All right, 537, we're a little late, you're stuck in traffic, so hey, we're all in the same boat. Let's see what's going on. Michael Bennett, give us the story. What's the road ahead look like? And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, we're back to the program, 540 on the clock. Hey, let me mention, if you want to jump in with a comment or a question here, maybe you yourself are struggling through some questions and answers related to eternity and you want to call in. We're not going to spend a lot of time on calls, but if you want to jump in with a comment or a question, 888-367-5329, the toll-free number, 888-367-5329. That's 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. Russ Walsh in studio. The book, Eternity, Where Will You Spend It? by Zulon Press. Russ, let's walk through um, some more layers of this. And I guess particularly during uh, this time of year, we we have a lot of focus around us on the manger and the arrival of the Christ child. I suppose as we come to conclusions regarding that truth is, that God is, eventually that leads us to the question, well, who exactly is this Jesus and what role does he, should he play in my life? Right. Yeah, and one thing, and I'll talk quickly on this point, is the book, you know, we talked about get past the point of, okay, maybe there's a God, now let's talk. I really do explain kind of start to finish from uh, creation all the way through the nation of Israel, Moses, and and all the role they play into there so that when Jesus comes into the scene— we're ready to talk about him. And and when you look at the nation of Israel, right, even today there was news on your station about, you know, there was a vote from the U.N. about it. It's just so bizarre. Like, why is this nation, even today, still so unique, as unlike any other nation on the planet? And a Nobody, tiny little country that it, otherwise would be uh, of no coincidence. Like the size of the Bay Area, right? And, and it seems like inconsequential, but it's just intriguing. People who are from you know, the heritage of, of uh, Israel, the nation of Israel, Jewish people, they know it. I have no idea what, you know, I, I really am. I think I'm Irish, but, you know, we kind of lose our heritage, but they retain that. But why, nobody's really worried that we got to get rid of Scotland or Argentina or, you know, uh, some country in Asia. It's, but why is that country so unique? So I talk about that a little bit, too, and I, that's also very relevant. I also talk about angels and are there demons? Because they're relevant to the whole picture of where we are today and, and how that factors in. So a lot of people tell me, gosh, I had no idea. There's so much information. I've even had people that were in full-time ministry that said there were a lot of things there that I didn't know that you really weave together that, that were very relevant and, uh, to the whole picture. So those are some other parts about it. But I certainly talk about Jesus. You know, I mean, as we understand it, he, I mean, he's certainly been one of the most important historical figures on the planet, we currently, at least the modern world, orients our calendar around his 
what we think about the day he was born. So obviously pretty important guy. But we have so much evidence. And Lee Strobel is, uh, if you've never read his book, The Case for Christ, where evidence he— Evidence the man's a verdict, too, is another right. one by <clears throat> McDowell. He mm-hmm. was a strong non-believer, and he wanted to prove his ro- uh, wife that she didn't know what she was talking about. And when he really unpacked it as a, as a reporter, he, could, he was so convinced that the, the most overwhelming evidence— that Jesus died and was resurrected, that Jesus' miracles, that this guy had to be God. You know, God came out of heaven, wherever, and, and lived a life as a person on this planet. So he's not just a normal guy that just happened to have some extra things about him that were novel, like Abraham Lincoln or somebody. But he knew he was God the moment he arrived, and he lived a life that was incredible. We know he died. This document is so well, and we have so much evidence to prove that he did come back to life. And, and and so it's overwhelming. So that's so important, and I talk about that. But I also talk about what happens after we die, right? And Luke chapter 16, if you've never read that passage in the Bible, the first time I crossed it, I was like, wow, I was just overwhelmed. I mean, you know, it's the most intense scene of anything that you could read. I think there's nothing more than if you read Luke chapter 16 tonight and, and you can go to bed without blinking you know it's very very important but it really talks about heaven and hell and what happens that life after is not a choice for us it's already set and we have no choice to say i don't want to participate you know i I just want it to be over so that's extremely important but it's also interesting where people ask these questions to me now when they say what about heaven what language will we speak how old will we be will we remember people and uh, the honest answer is the Bible gives some clues about this, uh, some things very concretely. Some of it's a little vague. And I really kind of liken it to the fact that if you try to explain, if you're a teenager and you're trying to explain to your three-year-old's little brother or sister why you're in love and what it means, they can't comprehend it, right? And I don't think God, we can comprehend what heaven's really going to be like. But when God describes it as almost a honeymoon, right, a marriage, in, a, in our lifetime, a honeymoon is considered the best period of our entire life, right? And I think for him to say that's the pinnacle of what to expect, right? A honeymoon sort of that never ends. You know, that's what he's trying to put in our minds, but I still think it's even better than that, far better. So those are important things to consider. But how old will we be? We believe we'll be our best. We'll, 20s, 30s. What happens to a miscarried child? Do they grow up to be a certain age? We believe they do. What language will we speak? We think it'll be sort of a common language. In fact, what we see from some of the, even some of the radio uh, uh, personalities on this show are, uh, that I've heard talk about the, with the transfiguration, the, the disciples knew who they were seeing, even though Moses and Elijah, who were there with Jesus, they'd never seen them before. They lived hundreds of years before they did, right? There's a belief that when we get to heaven, we won't need introductions. We'll know who our grandfather is. Just It'll be almost programmed that like a zebra sees another zebra and says, that's a zebra, right? That's my species. And, and that's part of what we believe at this point and have good evidence. But a lot of it we don't know. But uh, we certainly know that a, a lot of things about the bad place to go, and, and it's certainly it's a horrifying story for those. We're visiting today with Russ Walsh. He is the author of Eternity, Where Will You Spend It? We're going to take a brief time out, move to your calls, 888-367-5329-888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. Let's get a look at traffic. By the way, sidebar, I have a little insight. I believe the language we'll speak in heaven will be Italian. That's just a, that's just a personal insight. All right, let's get a look at traffic. Michael Bennett, what's going on? 
And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, we're back to the conversation. Ten minutes away from the hour of six p.m., we've got uh, Brad Dacus in the waiting in the wings here. He's in. Is he in makeup right now? Is that the deal? All right, getting ready for his big radio appearance. And uh, then we'll also have Paula Dresden drop by in hour number two tonight to tell you all about Bethlehem A.D. coming to Redwood City. It's an annual tradition. Many folks sort of mark the beginning of their Christmas celebration with Bethlehem A.D. That'll be coming your way on the twenty. 21st of December through the uh, 22nd, 23rd, and it's absolutely free. You can check them out, BethlehemAD.com. All right, let's get to your calls. We're going to go first to Jim in Benicia. Jim, come on in with your comment or question for Russ Walsh. Good evening. I've got a comment. Uh, I know Russ. I read his book. Uh, highly recommend it. Hard to put down. Uh, real quick story. I am a uh, Marine Corps Vietnam vet, and I heard Russ's story. I came back from Vietnam, uh, full case of PTSD, uh, searching for what happened to my friends when they died. Where'd they go? And I got very fortunate. I got into a Bible study at Berkeley on the Gospel of John and finished that and said to myself, either Jesus is lying or he's a loony or... He's telling the truth, and I could not help but come to the conclusion that he's telling the truth. He is who he says he is, literally God in the flesh. And it was a life changer for me because, you know, then, you know, that was in 1972, have built out a lifelong, you know, personal relationship with him. Uh, you know, know that eternity is real. Uh, the promise is real. John 3.16 you know, spells that out, you know, clearly uh, about eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in him will have eternal life. That's a promise, and that's a true promise. And then lastly, you know, I'm working with Russ here recently. I have a, a course I put together because I'm a course maker. It's called whoisjesuscourse.org. And uh, Russ and I are putting up a new lesson, and it's on eternity. So for all of you listeners out there, friends and family who maybe don't know who Jesus is yet and would like to find out, his book is fantastic. And I also recommend, you know, reading the Gospel of John. And if you want to go deeper on finding out who Jesus is, we've got a course, whoisjesuscourse.org. Love the interview. Bless you. Thank you, uh, Craig, and and all the best. Uh Rust. Well, we appreciate the the kind remarks, Jim. And, uh, you know, the, the interesting thing is he's got a very valid point that, that, that so often there's sort of this wrestle with, well, what if this is all fake? What if this is all made up? What if at the end of the day we discover that man isn't a creation of God but the other way around? Well, let me flip that on its ear and say, what if it's true? And what have you really lost? I mean, I look at it from from my perspective of having been a believer over 40 years. If I, if at the end of the day they said, guess what? Aha, the joke is on you. Alan Funt steps out of the shadows and says, you know, uh, you, you've been fooled. Um, I don't know that I would have any regrets. Absolutely. I, and my life has been changed in so many remarkable, wonderful ways. So maybe the question that we need to wrestle with tonight, maybe the question that you're wrestling with to sort of flip this around is not, not if what if it's not true, but what if it is 
True. Jim, I thank you for your call and, and your service as well. Semper Fi, my father thank was, you so a, much, uh, was, a, was a leatherneck as well. Appreciate your, your call tonight. Um, this, I guess, at the end of the day really becomes one of the, the, the key questions, and that is, if it's all true, what do I do with this? And in the few minutes that, un, that, that remain, Jim, kind of unpack this for us, if you would. There may be folks listening right now that say, I'm, I'm right there on the edge. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if or against. I just know that I'm terribly dissatisfied in my life, in my relationships, and I'm at the stage in life where I'm saying, is this all there is? What would you say to that individual struggling with these questions about, what about eternity? Mm-hmm. What about Jesus? And yeah. Will you spend eternity with him? Uh, it's, it's a tremendous question, and it, it's not the easiest question in the world to answer. You can't just give this, boom, that's it, right? Again, it's a lot about where a person's heart's at. And unfortunately, when we talk about a lot of people, what keeps them from God is, like you said, sometimes it's because they've met a Christian before. Sometimes it's the pain and suffering. Like if there was God, we, we wouldn't go through this. But so many people who come to the Lord come because the pain and suffering, They all they had left was to turn to him, and they realized, oh, my gosh, it's real. He's there, right, and stuff. So, um, But I think the, 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 the big question in that or the answer that I would give is, the evidence that we have is God is so beyond us in his ability to love. We don't even comprehend it. It's just like that child that's in our arms is newborn and the feeling we have as a new parent. And you've experienced it, I believe. I've experienced it twice. It's so overwhelming. And to think that's just a fraction of how God feels about us. So I think when, when, when you turn your heart to God and you really start to give him a chance to work in your life and you just see him doing things, it, it's unbelievable. And I had somebody recently who was talking about they were struggling with depression and everything else. And I said, who in your life needs help? And they said, you know, I didn't think about that. And, and in the last few months, their life is so different because they st- quit looking at themselves and started really looking at, okay, what can I do to make a difference? I may not be loved by everybody, but there's a few people that need my love, and I'm going to go there. And What about those that teeter with this uh, notion that, well, I, I have to get to the point where I can erase all doubt before I make a decision? Or, Russ, that's all well and good, but you don't understand. Mm-hmm. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. I've done some terrible things. I've hurt some people, wounded some people very badly. How can God, this God that you describe that so loves me above and beyond even my wildest ability to imagine, how can this God love somebody as vile as me? Oh, gosh. That's the two most important people that really in the New Testament, Peter and, and, and Apostle Paul, right? I mean, Paul tried to kill everybody who said, you know, uh, yeah, I'm a Christian and, and everything else. And God had to Jesus pretty much confronted him directly and said, you're not going to have eyesight for three days, and we're going to deal with this. And, and, and he came to terms and said, oh, my gosh, I was wrong. You know, God is real. And then you look at Peter, who denied him, you know, as he was standing there being, you know, through this absurd trial before they crucified him. I have, you know, three times he said, I don't even know who he is, right? And, and yet Peter went on to become probably the most empowering uh, person that really impacted the the non-Jewish people of the world, right? He was the first one to really witness and preach. So you look at those two people, and while they did two of the most horrible things that you could have done, they had still the big impact. And 
And, so there's hope for all of us. For and, sure. and this is a this is a religion, so to speak, that is for uh, not perfect people, but people in in progress. So you you mentioned Paul. I, I think how ironic that he was the chiefest of um, persecutors of Christians, and then became the principal writer of the New Testament, arguably one of the key leaders of the first century church. And yet, interesting, this dichotomy, while he makes this this amazing change after that experience on the road to Damascus, and now, instead of being the persecutor, is is the promoter, so to speak, is an evangelist. Um, and, and, and yet, while he's changed his life around, he still calls himself the chiefest among sinners. So there's that acknowledgement that even in your brokenness, even in your mistakes, even in your pain, even in, in the mistakes that you made in the past and things that you will do wrong in the future because you're in the flesh, that none of it is beyond God's ability to forgive. And maybe that's the most amazing part of, of your message, eternity, where will you spend it? And that is that no matter where, we are, where we're at, what we've done, who mm-hmm. we've been, none of us is beyond the power of the blood of Christ to be not only saved, yeah. but most importantly, to be reconciled in relationship with very God himself. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what's also important to note is you brought up, even if today somebody says, okay, I'm giving my life to the Lord, and, and it's not like you'll never make another mistake. In fact, if anything, it says you're going to be under more attack and more challenge uh, the rest of your life. But still, transformed lives are the biggest testimony there is, right? This guy who we knew was just had all the problems, right, and everything else. And you see them living this this whole different life, and, and they got a smile on their face they never really had before. It, it's it's so impactful to us, right? And, and when it comes to this whole notion of, you know, can I make a mistake that God's going to condemn me for? I think when you give your heart and you fall in love with him, it, it, he doesn't let go. And To somebody right now that's on the edge, um, give me your elevator talk. Walk us through. What do you say oh to that gosh, person? It's tough. I, I, I have a great elevator speech to be able to meet people sometimes. People tell me I kind of have a gift for getting a business card in a 30-second elevator ride. Trying to talk about God in, in 30 seconds, I find it, it it is hard. All you can do is try to plant one more seed along the way. But every now and again, God, somebody's just ready for that seed to pop. And you can occasionally you're there to make that 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 moment happen. If somebody listening right now is ready for that seed, what do you tell them? I mean, don't miss out. You know, do what you have to do. Go check this out for yourself. This holiday season, don't let it go by to where it just becomes another thing. Go read that book. Do like I did. Lock yourself in a room for the next chance you get a few minutes. Open that book and, and see if it doesn't really speak to you. That's the thing I love about the Bible that's so amazing is you can open it some days and it's exactly what you're dealing with. How is that possible? And again, go read Psalm 139 as well that really talks about God weaved the stories of our lives together. And some people say, well, if he weaved their stories together, how is he allowed to condemn people in the end of their life, right? And that's, that is complicated, but God is sovereign. He, he's not surprised when a mosquito bites us. You know, he knows what's going to happen. But I, I honestly believe, and some people differ, that part of the reason that Christ exists and is that he allows him to almost compartmentalize himself from God, the, the overall father, where maybe, you know, he doesn't know who's going to become a Christian, right? He's, he's 
separate. It's very tricky. And again, sometimes we always want, and Francis Chan, again, one of my favorites, talks about these things that we always want to compare God to something else, but he's so different. You know, it's like trying to, when people say comparing their job to a marriage, they're very different. You can't compare them and stuff. Same with God. He is so different. But one thing I've learned is that when I don't understand something about the Bible or God, it's almost always my fault. Again, I go back to I'm the three-year-old kid who doesn't understand what you, why you want to marry that person, but someday I will. The answers are there, and and certainly I think to put to rest anybody who struggles with this notion that I'm trying to wrap my mind around it all, and there are so many questions, and and as I get answers, it seems to invoke more questions. It is difficult for the the finite mind, the limited mind, to comprehend the infinite God. And to understand God's infinite grace and God's infinite boundless mercy. And in many respects, as Russ mentioned earlier, the only way to really comprehend it is to experience it for yourself. And if you're that in that place where you say, I don't know, I'm not sure, then challenge God. He's big enough to take it. Challenge God. Say tonight, God, I don't know if all of what I've heard on this radio program is true or what I've read or what friends and family have shared with me. I just know I've got questions and I need answers. And see if God will not reveal himself to you. The word tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, that he sent his only begotten son to die for the entire world, that none should perish, but all should experience everlasting life. And if you've not yet experienced what it means to walk in fellowship with the very God himself, if you you can't say today that you know that you know that you know that if you died yesterday where you would be now, then let me challenge you to challenge God. Go to a church. If you need recommendations, call this radio station. And we'll be happy to share some with you. You can also go to the KFAX website. There's a complete church directory there where you can find a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church near you and show up on Sunday and say, I've got some questions. And, um, and certainly encourage you to pick up a copy of Russ Walsh's new book, Eternity, Where Will You Spend It? Newly published by Zulon Press and available through Amazon.com. Russ, we're out of time. I sure yeah. appreciate you spending some with us. Oh, gosh. I sure enjoyed it, Craig. Thank you. You said it so well. I mean, beautiful job of articulating as well uh, this whole message and this whole theme. So the challenge is there before you. At the end of the day, it lies before you to answer the question for yourself, eternity, where will you spend it? 604. Get a look at traffic. Michael Bennett. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost 
Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com.